Absolutely despise this part of the game. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we entice our tireless robotic employees to gear up for thrills in Steam Park. Next, we frantically race to build up our vocabulary, literally, in Wordsmith. And lastly, we see what the buzz is about as we lock down the answers in Oodles. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. This is Joe Unfree. Welcome to Steam Park. You have 20 seconds to comply. I'm Ed Povlaitis, and here at Dentech, we're welcome to build the you of tomorrow today. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I have a question. How many mechanical parts does it take to go from cyborg to robot? Hey, everybody, I just wanted to say that Evan is away working on a tour with his other podcast called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. They are on a whirlwind tour of skeptic conferences through New Zealand and Australia. Happy trails, Evan. And we are delighted to have in his place, huh. Joe. Welcome back. Hi, everybody. Joe, welcome back, Joe. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> We let you out of the war room, huh? <laughs> yeah. Let you out of the, the annals of game history. And coming up soon, you guys are doing Here I Stand, another historically based game. I, I love that game. I played that one at the WBC <laughs> with the designer. Awesome. Joe and Ed will have lots of fun stuff to say about that on a side quest coming soon. We just wanted to give a quick shout out. Thank you to our patrons who help us grow and keep the show rolling every week. Your support helps us get hot new games for the show and gets us to the conventions that keep us all current on the huge world of gaming. And it's almost time for our second annual Firsty Awards. We'll be looking at the 150-ish games we played this year, and we're going to put some of the most notable ones in a battle for fortune and glory. Some of the categories include Best Game of the Year, King of the Nerd, and of course, the Firsty Worsty. And this year, we're adding in the category Listener's Choice Award. So if you want to be part of the Firsties, just go to our Facebook page and vote today. And a big thank you for everyone who's rated us, reviewed us, shouted us out, mentioned us at the local gaming store, anywhere, (laughs) at any time, every single mention helps. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Our first game up this week is Steam Park, designed by Aureliano Buonfino, Lorenzo Silva, and Lorenzo Tucci Sorrentino. Published by Horrible Guild and Aiello in 2013, number of players 2 to 4, ages 8 and up, playtime 60 minutes. When we spotted this game from our clockwork airship through our gear-shaped goggles, what were our first thoughts? Ed? Welcome, Robot Overlord. Please, enjoy your stay at the park, as long as you're paying customers. Joe? If this game's art looks familiar to you, that may be because you've enjoyed a game called Dixit. Both games feature art by Marie Cardois. Mike? Am I supposed to believe that robots will be scared by the haunted house or excited by the roller coaster? Well, it depends on how their positronic brains were programmed, Mike. (laughs) True. (laughs) 
But after seeing the spooky cute design, I was ready to entertain Three Laws style. But before I misrepresent Asimov any further, (laughs) Joe, tell us how it's played. In Steampark, you build gigantic coal-powered rides to attract as many robot visitors as you can to make your steam-powered park the largest and most profitable in the region. Each round, you'll roll dice to determine which actions you can take on your turn. You can re-roll as often as you like, but the fastest player goes first and keeps their park cleaner. After six rounds, the player with the most money, after paying to clean up their park, is the winner. So guys, what type of game is this? Resource management? Yeah, resource management with a little bit of uh, hectic dice rolling. <laughs> hectic, yeah. Is that a type of game? Hectic yeah, dice rolling? It's a rolling? new category. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that a category. I like it. I am on board with hectic dice rolling. I definitely would call it a category because every time I see a game with a hectic mechanic in it, it makes me panic. So I know that it's a whole genre in my mind. It's kind of an action selection, but you got to use dice to select what action you want. But the more time you take re-rolling, the more dirt that accumulates. Oh. Yeah. Okay. My park was filthy. Your park was <laughs> filthy. Yeah. You, oh, your, man. Your, your park was a pit. Oh. Well, the problem is I, I, I was trying to plan out my moves, and Celeste would literally roll the dice once and slap them onto her little card and shut down the dice rolling for her turn. Heck, yeah. It pick up that card that cleans up your park even the most out of all of them. Oh, man. I was left in the dust, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I have few strategic advantages in broader games like this, but my speed is probably my strongest. So I have to take advantage of of any aspect of a game that offers a benefit for speed. Mike's Park is very stinky. (laughs) I I did a lot to try to clean it up, though. I put in little toilets everywhere. I had a multiple toilets, <laughs> which which I don't know what the robots need the toilets for, but I had a lot of them anyway. Yeah, you can get these little tent pieces that you can put onto your board, and they do different stuff depending on which ones you buy. And toilets is one of them, and it just gives you extra cleaning when you use cleaning dice. Mm-hmm. I love that the dice had little pictures of everything you could do. I like a symbolic guide when it's not overly complicated, like a little picture of a broom. What other pictures were on the dice? Uh, there was sort of a striped tent with pennants there. Oh, yeah, the tent. And also a pile of coal. Pile of coal, which meant what? The pile of coal literally played a card, which were deceptively powerful. Yeah, I actually slept on those cards way too much. That's where a lot of points are at. Yep, I was dealing cards left and right. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I'm a fan of custom victory points, and I'm a fan of throw this down, do this thing, get this point. It feels very cathartic to me and adds to my sensation of good pacing. Well, I yeah. was focusing on trying to get the cool-looking rides into my park. And I figured I was mm-hmm. just like, yeah, let's get the rides in early and the visitors in early and get money every turn. I tried that strategy, too. That didn't work for me. Like, populating my rides just made my park even filthier. (laughs) (laughs) And I was being greedy, too, because I, you know, some of those cards trigger off of how many of a certain kind of guests you have in your park or how many rides or how many spaces you have filled. So I was trying to get the maximum points out of every one of those cards. The five minutes is only six rounds. Those are rounds you're not going to point. Yeah, get it done. I was moving my robots through the park so darn fast. That I don't even think they remembered what they saw. Like, they, I think yeah. I had two rides in that whole park. I'm like, move along, move along, keep it going, move along. keep going. Nothing to see here. 
Get out of here. Your ticket <laughs> they got, got their greasy good popcorn here. and moved right out of the park. 20 bucks. Thanks for coming. <laughs> that's a good advantage at the, the temporary visitor where they, you get money from them that turn, but they don't leave dirt around for next turn. Yeah, it's true. And I, I don't like temporary things like that usually in a game, but in this particular game, it's definitely strategically sound to get some of those temporary visitors in. But the thing is, with the permanent prison, they're, they're giving you money every turn. So it's like you can only have to track them once. You don't have to do any other work other than clean up the park. Right, but your money gets smacked in the face at the end of the game because your dirt, <laughs> it, it really ramps up how many points you lose at the end of the game if you haven't gotten rid of it. Yeah, it's almost like you've got to be really careful if you're really going to build a detailed park. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm surprised Mikey had so much dirt at the end because well, he had all the toilets. I was going to build a toilet, but he built them all already. Well, I bought up all the toilets in the beginning. Yeah, me and Joe basically split the toilets. <laughs> yeah, you guys did. I was going to get one. It's like, wait, they're all gone. <laughs> Except Joe was picking up the, the cards a little faster than me when he was done with his dice, so he was getting a little extra cleaning that I was definitely not getting. Yeah, the rest of it was like a super fun site. <laughs> yeah, but who cares if the park's dirty as long as the robots are having fun? Well, that's true. <laughs> I think my robots had fun, but again, they were there for <laughs> such little time. You're too busy counting the money to check whether or not your customers were satisfied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I basically yeah. just built an entrance, a path, and an exit. Yeah. yeah. I think you had one amusement ride in your whole park. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I had one. Like, naturally, the very first turn, Joe was last, putting his dice on the card. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Joe is a slow and very thoughtful player. Some might argue an overthinking player. <laughs> but I was impressed with how quickly he caught on. He's like, oh, no, this isn't going to happen to me again. <laughs> yeah. So by, like, turn three, he was being second and second or third, but definitely not last. No, I was last. Uh, my crippling greed was definitely making me last every time. I'm like, I can roll the dice again and I'll get exactly what I want. Yeah, I'm surprised I had the time I needed to do whatever I wanted. Yeah. Well, I should have bought the tent that lets you change one of your dice every turn. That was my first push. Yeah, smart. Joe, what was your favorite strategy here? Well, putting the highest priority on dirt paid off for me. I didn't really expect it to be as valuable as it was going to be. I just wanted to take a productive path as early in the game as I could, and that did pay off. I was making good money, but the problem I ran into is that uh, I looked to the dirt management a little too late. I ended mm-hmm. up with, uh, what was it, like minus 20 points for the uh, amount of dirt? Yeah, I had I had minus 26. I think you had like minus 18 or 20. It was crazy. I was kind of looking for Martin Wallace's name on the box afterwards. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> for real though like I, i'm not really into games where there's like a fast physical component to it like this but i i wouldn't have minded so much if it fit the theme better i didn't understand what the hustle was for in that particular stage of planning it felt a little bit off theme for me i think that if there were four steam parks within such a close proximity of one another and there's only one day off like a quarter for these robots right Isn't that the story? The only six days out of the whole year they get off. (laughs) So you're trying to earn all your money during these six days. The competition would be stiff. It would be stiff, but I feel like if I was rolling for the customers on the dice instead of rolling for building buildings on the dice, that would have felt more thematic to me. I enjoyed that this game had what I viewed as two ways to play it, and that is Really living in the moment and just playing turn to turn, whatever's in your hand, deal with it. And Mm -hmm. a 
planning version where you really think long term about what's ultimately going to gain you the most by turn six. It looked like deal with it was a better strategy in this particular game. <laughs> I worked for me. Well, I think with the card, you know, you really have to get the right synergy because a lot of the cards depend on having functioning rides. And since you didn't have any rides in your park, I was kind of surprised you were getting to play cards as much as you were. But there were clearly cards you can play that depended on other factors. I did actually have a couple of rides. And I found that having just a f- just enough rides to play cards was enough. Just focus on the types of cards you can play with those particular rides. In the earlier turns, if you're in any doubt about what to do, you should expand because if it's early enough, then you'll have an expansion ready to go for your next you know, project, your next improvement. Any kind of game where you're building an engine, you always want to start with the things that produce the stuff that lets you build faster. That's the way I imagine a game like this. But this one, it was tricky. It didn't really have that same kind of uh, pace to it. You're right, Mike. And I like how it actually departed from the slower pace of many engine builders. Yeah, it totally tricked me. (laughs) I loved the look and the components of this game. Deep colors on the board, very rich jewel tones throughout the game to sort of add a, that steampunk lush feel while still being a little bit creepy and, of course, signature dark. <laughs> I find that interesting because, like, I remember when we reviewed Dixit, you weren't really keen on the art as I was. I love the art in this game and I love the art in Dixit, but it's interesting that in a different context that you see the art a little bit differently. Right. Yes. In a different context. It really appealed to me in this steampunk theme. The cardboard rides were interesting. They're made out of these like little cardboard towers. We have a little spot to put their robot meeples on the top. Yeah. Very cleverly designed in a double layer. So they stood up on their own and the meeples do Mm -hmm. sit on top. So cute, as if they're like yeah. at the top of the roller coaster. You got your little robot heads peeking out. It's very whimsical. Wee. <laughs> okay, everybody, it's time to dig up or bury Steam Park. Joe? I wasn't a fan of having to you know, grab for my space in the turn order like it was one of the last few cookies, but I'm <laughs> digging up the game as a whole because I like delicate balancing acts, even though I'm not usually very good at them. <laughs> Ed? Planning is curtailed by that frantic dice segment. <laughs> Sometimes you'll just have to roll with it. So I'll dig uh, it up as a light strategy game. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> Mike? The strategic resource allocation and rolling a fistful of dice was really fun. And despite my paralysis during the rush part of the game, I'd still dig this up. It's a great game. Everything they didn't like about the game was exactly what I did like about the game. (laughs) (laughs) This is the kind of game that may reward brain-burning effort, but does not require it to enjoy or even win, as was my case. So definitely dig it up. Mike, where can you find it? I've seen this online for between 35 and 40 bucks. If you have thoughts about Steampark, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And our next game up this week is Wordsmith. Designed by Bill Eberly, Peter Alaka, and Greg Alaka. Published by Heidelbar Games in 2019. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 10 and up. Playtime 20 to 30 minutes. 
Okay, when we found this game while running from a riot at a Scrabble tournament, what were our first thoughts? Mike? Another game where we have to rush. Are you guys trying to give me a heart attack or something? Ed? The ladders must flow, for he who controls the ladders controls the universe. Joe? If you have ever enjoyed spelling out messages with matches, toothpicks, straws, or silverware down at the all-night truck stop, this might be the game for you. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. You don't make words out of letters in this game? You make letters and then words? Yeah. How very micro. But before we take a macro look at this game, Joe, tell us how it's played. In Wordsmith, players simultaneously create letters using their letter pieces and then create words from those letters. Each word can only be made and scored once. Rolling a die will allow you to add more letter pieces to your pile. Try to use all your pieces. Leftover pieces are discarded, and you are limited to 12 discards each round. The round ends when a player makes six words. Each letter of every word is worth a point, and you get bonus points for limiting the number of pieces you discard. The game ends after three rounds, and the player with the most points wins. I think it sounds simple. <laughs> it does sound simple, and it's, it's trickier to make some of those letters when you're missing some pieces, isn't it? Well, yeah, you're, you're learning an entirely new alphabet almost because the, the letters are made out of different kinds of pieces each. It is tricky, but I loved so much about this game, the way it looked, the way it felt, and the handy-dandy reference on each side of the box. Everybody got... In full color alphabet to show you which pieces make which letter. Yeah, a whole new alphabet for you to learn while you play this game. And (laughs) I loved that. And I think you loved it more, Celeste, because it was one of those word games that we had a chance to beat Joe in. Really nice elements of this game. The game design was very clever and really engaging. Uh, Yeah, engaging because you had to keep getting little letter fragments throughout. (laughs) Every time we say something nice, Mike is going <laughs> to complain about the, uh, did I mention, guys, that you've got to create your letters? <laughs> it stresses me out, man. <laughs> For At the beginning of the game, when I saw what pieces I started with, I could not even imagine adding more to that because I did a methodical survey of what letters were available to me with the pieces I already had. But one of the more important parts of this game is actually rolling dice to get new letter fragments. And you can do that as much as you want. Yes. A big hit! No. Now everybody's got the strategy now here, apparently. I'm not gonna go too nuts. Yeah, but you'll get to toss them. Yeah, rolling the crap out of the dice is where it's at. Only limited by the pieces. But there's a press your luck element. Any leftover pieces that you rolled and got that you didn't use. Negative points. Ouch. But, uh, you know, for me, I wasn't going to have those negative points either because I love efficiency. So instead, I just started making more and more large words with all the pieces that I rolled. Right. Had to keep changing my strategy up every time I rolled the dice. Well, I have an anagram alert. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, anagram (laughs) alert. You can't make new words by just rearranging the letters of one of your earlier words. Misspelled words, proper names, abbreviations, slang, and foreign language words are all out of bounds. (laughs) That throws me off. So when you've discovered a valid word, claim it by A, yelling the word out loud, 
B, spelling the word out loud. And C, await any objections. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really fun part of the game where you just sort of yell your words out. Eventually, though, we just sort of stopped caring about other words that people were yelling out. (laughs) Because you spent too much time looking at it or time you're not focusing on your own work. Exactly. You're too busy monitoring somebody else. And I think for Evan, that would be more fun for him, actually, if he played it, to look at other people's words and tell them they're wrong about how they (laughs) put the letters together or or the spelling of the word. Yeah, Yeah, a tricky rule, though. You have to change a letter every time you make a new word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what Joe's anagram alert is about. You can't just rearrange the letters. You have to use at least one new letter. So you can make bag and lag and sag. But you can't make bag and gab. I know. That messed me up a lot. Because <laughs> I do that a lot in uh, in other games like Words with Friends or whatever, Scrabble. Oh, man. A boggle staple. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you could, I mean, then people would be doing sleight of hand or stuff. Hey, can you get me a soda from over there? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing. Like, it would be pretty easy for someone to cheat in this game because it is such a frantic game where everybody is so in their own world. Grabbing an extra piece, not grabbing a piece, putting a piece back. I can see (laughs) any of that being done either deliberately and also without intent. Like it's hard to keep Mm -hmm. track of everything. Maybe next time I play, I'll just shout out, press the digitate and then move on and scramble (laughs) my pieces up again. Nobody can test. Nope. Okay, next. (laughs) You're also not only supposed to check the word, you're also supposed to check that the letters were made correctly because there's a specific way to make each letter. Right. You have to build the letter correctly because you could build a B out of some pieces that are there but aren't the way that the game tells you to build a B. Yeah, two red pieces, two blue pieces. It looks like a B, right? I loved the color coding in this game. Different colors for different shapes was very helpful because it is a language, like you said, unto itself and you start to get used to it after a few games in. I thought I think I'd start to crush this game after a few playthroughs. Yeah, I bet you would. I was starting to get good at making and finding the letters, but I was still terrible at finding words. (laughs) This is a game that I'd like to play lots and lots to see how good people can get at it. It's Mm -hmm. one of those types of games, which is the nature of most word games. Well, this is nice because it shakes it up a little bit. You know, somebody who's a master at Boggle will actually sometimes have a harder time, like you said earlier, with this game because... It's so different in the way you construct the words. I almost felt on equal footing the very first time we played. <laughs> Don't be silly, Ed. No, it's true. This game, Everybody's in the deep end at the beginning of this game, which is fun. You know, how often do you get that in a word game? Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the clock isn't really like, there's not like a sand timer where you have a certain amount of time to form words. You just keep going until somebody gets six words and then everybody else has to just finish the last word they're on and stop. You're on the clock, but not really on the clock. You know, if everybody's going slow, you can be slow too. Right. So if you're playing with me, you're in trouble. Yeah. I definitely came in second in this game, Uh not first. (laughs) I knew I was going to be last, so it didn't matter. (laughs) But I spent a lot of time coming up with like, I think I had like a seven or eight letter word in there. It's not enough point differential if you don't fill in all six words before the other person finishes. Right, because uh, even an eight-letter word, it's only going to get you eight points as opposed to, say, even three three-letter words will be nine points. Yep, and Celeste was cranking out the words, boy. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Embrace <laughs> the mania. <laughs> so if you don't recognize the name of the designer, they're the Eon Game Designers, and they're known for the game Cosmic Encounter, Dune, All right, hold on. Just stop right there. The same guys that created Dune in the 1970s (laughs) 
the uh, epic scale war game. And Cosmic Encounter. And Cosmic Encounter created this simple letter building word game. Yep. That's a pretty diverse squad. What bold new trails will the Olatka Gaming Dynasty blaze next? (laughs) (laughs) Games with new worlds, new civilizations, new alphabets. And they're starting a game line with this. So Wordsmith and Decipher are going to be the first product to use the the letter piece game line. Ah. Is it going to be the same, like, configuration of the letters? Yes. Yeah, the same pieces. Uh, that's smart. They give you a whole new alphabet to learn, and once you learn this, their little Esperanto, you have to play all their <laughs> games. Esperanto only brings it closer to William Shatner. Okay, everybody, it's time to dig up or bury Wordsmith. Ed? The game has an elegant look and is very fun to play. It's a little bit too frantic for my taste. I'm not very keen on word game, but this was enjoyable enough for me to dig up. Mike? Wordsmith adds a whole other layer of challenge to traditional word games and gives everybody a chance. So I say dig it up. Joe? I'm one of those people who can't help reading things that I come across. I dream about letters of the alphabet sometimes. It's it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, So I I will dig this up. Dude cannot pass an article of any kind without stopping to read it. Timed word games are as enjoyable to me as untimed word games are not. And that is to say, I was super biased in this game's favor to begin with, and it surpassed my expectations. Dig it up. Joe, where can you find this game? You can find this game at local game stores and online. It runs for about $30. If you have thoughts about Wordsmith, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Oodles, designed by Brian Hirsch, published by Milton Bradley in 1992. Number of players, 3 to 10. Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, everybody, true or false? The Great Wall of China and the former Berlin Wall were built by the same company. (laughs) (laughs) If only it were true. If only it were. I mean, if the company was the human company. Or or the Hunan company. I think they uh, spelled it wrong. (laughs) The human race, yes. And when we were out looking for absurd questions like that, we came across this game. What were our first thoughts? Joe? I've played a lot of games with cards bearing questions the players have to try to answer. But this game's challenges might be too clever. Ed? Well, this game be oodles of fun? Oh, no. Or just another trivia game? (laughs) Mike? Trivia and some sort of timer? My nightmares are coming true. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both, Mike. Is this the timer special episode? It is. It's all about the timers in this episode. A trivia game where each card's answer is based on a letter of the alphabet. Intriguing. But before we get started with this review, Joe, give us the ABCs of this game. In Oodles, the moderator takes the electronic timer and an Oodles card, bearing 10 questions with answers that all begin with the same letter, referred to as the key letter. Each Oodles card also has a silly starter. The silly question is asked to the player holding the Oodle stick, and they begin answering the questions. You are allowed only one guess. So if you're wrong... The moderator calls an all-play and reads the question again. Woohoo! The first player to guess correctly wins the right to keep answering questions on the card. 
The player who answers the last question correctly gets the card, and five cards wins the game. A knockdown, drag out, last man standing card based trivia game. Yeah. Or is it just somebody answered one question right and they win the whole round? I the know. only the last question matters. All the rest of it was just fluff. This game is full of questions. I mean, chalk a block. You'd almost say there's oodles of questions in this game. There are and this game is a crowd-sourced trivia game. Yeah. Mm. Worrisome. Back in 1992, how do you think they crowdsourced it? MySpace? Studio audience at the Maury Show? <laughs> <laughs> On their bulletin board. Yeah. Maybe email. Uh, 1992? Had an email back then. Somehow they managed, you know, probably by standard newspaper advertising or magazine advertising, Milton Bradley put it out that they were building this game and invited people to submit questions. They got hundreds of contributors from around the country, and they listed the names of all the contributors in the rule book, which I thought was pretty cool. That was cool. I think it said what state they were from, too. Sorry, I was a little distracted because I was trying to look up what kind of social media stuff they had in 1993. And, uh, yeah, none. I mean, Milton Bradley certainly has access to a lot. Certainly had enough money to advertise what it was mm-hmm. doing in gaming magazines or in games magazine, what? which used to be a thing yeah. in the 90s. Uh, Joe almost worked there. They offered him a job. I think I would have had to go to like Wisconsin or something. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I think my first email was 1995. And it was from Steve Novella, and it said, Welcome to the collective resistance is futile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great first email. I'm so jealous now. My first email was spam, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, were we talking about a game? <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a game called yeah. Oodles. Now, there's actually components in this game, too. There's two big ones. There's a baton. There are such awesome components. As usual, from these big game companies in the 80s and 90s, huge plastic components. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is the moderator timer. All right, guys. It is about about six inches by five inches, solid hard plastic with an on-off switch in the back. Are we talking about the game component? (laughs) I probably could have described it less salaciously. It's about the size of a peanut butter jelly sandwich. (laughs) you're right it's about the size of a sandwich box you and you slide the card in right ed yeah i slide the card in and how many batteries did he need to power the thing okay get ready for this four double a batteries and all it does is this listen up (laughs) there's another sound ready there it is (laughs) all that for four double a batteries Wow. Which would be the most outrageous component except for <laughs> the ridiculously large oodle stick. Oh my god, there's a timer, a stick, and a baton? No, the baton is the stick. And what is this baton stick for? It's to indicate who gets to answer the next question. That's it. It's a baton. Oh, so it's literally a passed baton. Hey, you pass oh. the baton, yeah. That's it. So these two large, heavy components, also in this sandwich box timer with the four AA batteries, it has a slot to slide the card in. The moderator can read directly off the card as they control this awesome. Pig that goes all out. Wild hog. Wild Wild boar. Wild bill. Wild hog. 
Warthog. Wild Boar? No. Warhog, Winhog, Wiggity Hog. Whole Hog. Whole Hog. Whole Hog. All right. And they read through 10 questions. You fight through an entire card of 10 questions, but only the last question matters. Yeah. Talk about not rewarding effort. <laughs> well, I suppose if you're really good at him, then he's like, you got an answer correct. You have the right to get the next question. If you keep getting them right, the card is all yours. Yeah, nobody else gets to participate in the game if you get all the answers right. What are the odds you're going to get 10 random trivia questions, all that begin with the letter O? Correct. I bring to you Joe Unfried, our panelist. <laughs> yeah, I think I actually pulled that off. He did. He did pull it off several times, but that is an outlier. Joe is a trivia outlier. Yeah. We know that. But I mean, they're giving him a clue right off the bat. Your answer starts with O. <laughs> Trivial Pursuit doesn't give you that kind of clue. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Yeah. It is very helpful, but it wasn't helpful enough for most of the time. <laughs> Architecture. <laughs> right. Architecture. <laughs> there are 300 two-sided oodles cards with 10 questions on each side, not counting the silly starter question. That's 6,000 questions. You have to fact check these 6,000 questions. That was probably a job. Pre-Google, you bet your bunny it was. I'm wondering if I saved them any time getting questions from people and then have to vet every single question rather than just having their monitoring person come up with the questions themselves. Right. I'm sure how. There's a difference between fact-checking, using creative energy to create up with 6,000 questions by yourself. I, mean, <laughs> I did like that they worked hard to keep the energy up by giving you a silly starter question. And it's always a ridiculous question. Yeah, I think one of the silly starter questions was on the show Cheers. What does everybody say when Norm walks in? Right, right. Norm! <laughs> the problem here isn't the questions, it's the mechanics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to keep track of what's actually supposed to be going on. And the timer doesn't just stop and start. It just starts another round of timing. What the way they want you to do it is actually press the timer and then read the question. Right. But by the time you're done reading the question, the timer's up already because it doesn't stop. Yeah, it's terrible because it means that you are at the mercy of however the person who's reading the card reads. Yeah. However fast or slow they read. Mm -hmm. Not a strong mechanic. If the timer just had a stop button to let you read the question and then start the timer again, that would be fine. But instead, you just press the timer, and then when they get it right, you press the timer again, and it starts the clock again, where you have to read the question for the next question. <laughs> right. So I got they're expecting you to kind of do it rapid fire every time you press the button and read the next question. Which is a hot mess. Oh my goodness, it is. I often like trivia games where you can steal from another player, but the stealing in this game was so clunky. And guys, let's face it, there's no getting past the fact that only the last question counts. Mm -hmm. That is so damaging to the enjoyment of this game. Yeah, because I'll just sit back in my little zen space until the last question comes up and then really focus on that one. But it doesn't help to engage everybody. No. I mean, I get the point that if you get one right, they're exclusively to you until you miss one. But why put all that effort early on? Somebody's going to get one wrong and then you can just jump in and steal. Yeah, I mean, then it's not a game. It's an it's an activity, as Ed would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, not a particularly good one at that. <laughs> it really discourages people from being interested. 
Uh, ultimate anti-participatory rule. Yeah, only one person can play. If he gets it wrong, then you guys can start pay attention. Such a shame, you know, such a shame. With fun components, tons of questions, relatively interesting topics. If a bit dated, I mean, yeah. 92. With any trivia game, you have that risk that they're going to talk about Wink Martindale. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time to dig up or bury Oodles. Joe? With 6,000 questions, uh, Oodles does have some longevity with how long it takes you to run out of questions. So for that, I can dig this up. Woo, you better come up with a different set of rules to use those questions for, buddy. (laughs) Ed? Uh, I found this a weak game even for a trivia game, so I'm going to bury it underneath the other games I don't like. Mike? Seems like they put very little thought into the design of this game. Uh, <laughs> it would be forgettable if it wasn't so lame. I always remember how lame it was. Bury it. <laughs> I want to dig it up. I just do because I love the idea of all these people contributing, excited about their questions. And I'm so disappointed that Milton Bradley did this with him. All that wasted content. Bury it. We'll rip the questions and make a new game. Yeah, out for of it. real. But at least it has a cool baton. And a really cool <laughs> buzzer that doesn't shut off. Yeah. <laughs> Where can you find this game, Ed? This game is out of print currently, but you can find copies online and at secondhand stores for about ten to twenty bucks. Got mine for a dollar fifty. Yeah, but wait till Oodles Part Toodles comes out. Yeah. <laughs> Oodles, fart toodles. Call the pitch man at Milton Bradley. I'm in. We got this one in the bag. (laughs) Oodles, part toodles. Uh, If you have thoughts about oodles, part toodles, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes just for the patrons every week just go to our website and click on become a supporter today if you get a chance please leave us a rating a like a review a shout on instagram a photo anything at your local game store online wherever it really helps others find the show join our chat on our discord server we are at which game first happy gaming explorers I love coming back. Just thank you for an upgrade. Beep, boop, boop, beep. <laughs>